Hello, and welcome to the Medical Device Success Podcast. I am Ted Newell, your host. The goal of this podcast is to contribute to your success and, in turn, help you contribute to the success of your medtech company. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This is a crazy time to start a podcast with the coronavirus dominating the news. However, there are important things we medical device professionals can be doing in this altered landscape of strategies and tactics for marketing, sales, and operations. So, working in the era of the coronavirus, hopefully a short era, will be the subject of this first season of episodes. Let's get started. First of all, I hope this finds you, your loved ones, your colleagues, all healthy and not too stressed out in this current environment. Um, We only have one close friend that we learned has had coronavirus, and that individual is on the mend, and I hope it stays that way. Personally, I don't know about the rest of you, but I need a haircut. It's been six weeks or more, and in Philadelphia, all the barbershops and salons are closed. So um, tomorrow that might change for me, courtesy of my wife. So we will see how that goes. Okay, on to the subject matter of this episode. First, we're going to take a quick look back on the last episode, which was about the future of medical device industry in the COVID era. Then we're going to take a close look at PowerPoint and some things you need to consider, and some features that you may not have known about that will make your PowerPoint presentation in a virtual world much more effective and make you look a lot more professional. Now first, about the last episode, the response was just amazing and humbling at the same time. So thank you all for your interest, and also many of the comments I received. They were just terrific and created quite a bit of um, uh, conversation, discussion, which is what it's all about. Second, as I've gone through this last week, it's just amazing to see the ingenuity in the response of the industry to the needs that frontline workers and so on have in the face of the coronavirus. And I go to this publication that I will... um, give you a link to in the show notes called QMed Daily. And I don't know if it's every day, but every few days at least, they have an area called COVID-19 News Central. And inside that News Central area, you'll find a supplier's stories section. And the stories that are being told about people that have converted their businesses into making masks and shields and barriers and other things that um, frontline workers need, and also the coming industry is going to need or even retail or whatever to open up once we can open up as we get over the curve, open up the, our economy. It's just amazing. And it's very inspiring. So you can learn more about that. If you follow the link that I send you in the show notes, telemedicine is just exploding and you see all kinds of forms um, online where doctors are talking about how they're starting to utilize 
telemedicine uh, more uh, frequently. Of course, they don't have much choice at the moment, but they're talking about how they're using it and how they intend to use it more in the future, even after uh, we get control of the COVID-19 virus. And there's a lot of devices that are being noted that are assisting doctors in telemedicine. A lot of devices. It's very interesting. So it makes me wonder if we are going to have a new medical device industry that's taking shape and could get quite large and will offer a lot of opportunities to people like you. It's also interesting to note all the public company statements. And so whatever the public companies are saying, because they have to restate their earnings for the rest of the year, and they have to talk about steps they're taking in light of the COVID-19 virus. So whatever they're doing, you know the big private companies are doing as well. And so you see a lot of people talking about executive pay cuts, uh, restructuring, which typically means some people are getting furloughed or laid off. That's also interesting to note and something to pay attention to. Big company marketing departments are churning out digital information and digital product and services to their marketplaces to stay top in mind. It is coming on really heavy. Lots of content, lots of digital content, webinars, virtual exhibits, special offers. They're sponsoring CE. They are really coming on strong. And so smaller companies, you have to do the same way. You have to find a way that you can break through some of this noise and stay top of mind. And finally, medical specialty media websites. And so what I mean here is, oh, in, in an area that I'm familiar with in ophthalmology, we have review of ophthalmology or we have ophthalmology management. And these are media publications. These are not peer-reviewed publications. These, This is like the news magazines for ophthalmology. And they also have websites. So this is the same thing in plastic surgery, urology, neurosurgery, you find it everywhere. But these media sites, these websites, are getting lots of traffic, anywhere from 20 to 100% increase in traffic. So the reason I bring that up is it's a terrific opportunity for banner advertising or box advertising, and that's not very expensive. So keep that in mind, especially small and medium-sized companies. If you're trying to stay top of mind, that could be an opportunity for you. Now for the main event, using PowerPoint in this virtual world. And we're going to talk about techniques and considerations you need to keep in mind that are going to make you, your company, and your product look more professional and communicate to that customer that you can meet their needs. Today, to help us with this subject, we have Dave Parody. Dave Parody has a company called Think Outside the Slide, He's been recognized by the media and his clients as a presentation expert. He has authored 10 books on effective presentations, and in his more than 20-year career, he has delivered over 400 workshops and sessions. Dave is one of the fewer than 10 people in North America currently recognized by Microsoft with the Most Valuable Professional Award for his contributions to the Excel and PowerPoint communities. His ideas have been featured by the Wall Street Journal, the Globe and Mail, by the way, those are Canadian publications if you don't know that, Harvard, 
and many others, and his clients range from municipalities to Fortune 500 corporations. Would you please welcome Dave Parody? Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Ted. It's great to have you all the way from Canada. Yes, we're just outside of Toronto. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation because when I look back at computers in general, it's frequently said that we only use maybe 5 or 10% of a computer's power. Uh, that's uh, We think we're using a lot of it, but there's so much more in, in a computer or, let's say, a software program like Microsoft Word. I believe it's the same thing for PowerPoint. You know, most people probably know only how to use maybe 5% of PowerPoint, and there's a lot of opportunity there. Am I correct? Absolutely. Here's the thing, though, Ted. People might think, well, I only know maybe 5 to 10%. Uh, there's a lot that I need to learn. Here's the reality. In my experience, you only need to know about 20, maybe 25% of the program at tops because the rest of it, you and I are basically never going to use. So you're not as far away as you think you might be, but there is that additional set of skills and techniques that you can learn that will take your presentations and your presenting to the next level. And I know that when you and I talked the other week, we, we were talking about the objectives of the podcast. And one of the things we had discussed was the whole concept of being prepared for a virtual presentation or a virtual interaction. And you made the very good point to me that there are other resources out there that people can utilize to understand things, you know, like having the right kind of background, having the right kind of lighting and so on and so forth. And we're not going to get into that today because there's a lot that we have to discuss just about using a PowerPoint presentation effectively for sales. But I did, I did just, I have to bring a couple things up. One is, did you see this Saturday Night Live Zoom skit? You know, I, I didn't, Ted, but I, I saw a lot of chatter on social media about it. Uh, did you happen to catch it? I'm, I'm thinking maybe you did because you're asking the question. Yeah, we watched it last night, and I didn't even know it was going to be on. I, uh, we liked Saturday Night Live, and, and they had the Saturday, Saturday Night Live at-home edition, which meant all the entertainers were participating from their homes. And so they did a, a Zoom skit, and that could be a way for people to look at exactly how many mistakes you can make doing a, a, a Zoom interaction because it was pretty hilarious, and it pointed out <laughs> many of the things that I, I see day-to-day -day when I'm having meetings with, on Zoom with other people. So it was very, very funny. Um, and you know, what, you know what's interesting, Ted, is that I think many of us in this era in the last few weeks where we've had to start working from home and a lot of people doing virtual meetings that they've never done before, we've seen a lot of those mistakes. But here's the thing. We're now a few weeks in. People are getting this figured out and the expectations of your audience have gone up. The awkward phase, I think we're ending that. And so, you know, Saturday Night Live pointed that out. But I think in our business context, that awkward phase is getting over. So it's really important that people get those best practices in virtual presentations because that's what your audience is now expecting. Well, as to the awkward phase, in the news this morning in the Philadelphia paper, they reported about a Florida judge that was admonishing attorneys in his area for their very poor 
virtual interactions with him because apparently somebody showed up for a virtual call with him, a, a guy without his shirt on. Then um, a woman was still in bed when she virtually called him. She was in bed with the covers on talking to him. And then there was another person that was beside their pool in their swimsuit with their sun cover uh, clothing on. So he was very, uh, very aggravated of that with that and was, was asking for a little more professionalism. So that was another humorous episode that's come up related to uh, virtual interactions these days. But I do hope you're right. I do hope that we're getting through the awkward or and or stupid phase. But as you mentioned before, and, and we'll have a link to it on the, w- on the show notes, is that uh, the Bright Carbon site has an excellent overview about how to prepare for virtual presentations and, and what to do. So I think it's really, really excellent. Richard Goring, who is one of the, the key people at Bright Carbon, he's a fellow um, Microsoft uh, Most Valuable Professional like I am. And uh, I saw him actually do a session for technical experts, and it was so well done. And, you know, folks, take a look in the show notes. Uh, look at the resources that we've posted there because uh, you'll get a chance to see what a professional presentation designer is talking about and what they're doing for their high-end clients, and we can all learn from that. Good advice. So when you and I were talking, the thing that was in my mind uh, as we were setting up for this call the other week is the whole concept of the sales process and how Mm -hmm. does the sales process change as we move to um, a lot more virtual sales presentations than uh, face-to-face presentations. One of the things that came to my mind is that when you're selling something, a product or a service, you typically have three or four differential advantages or benefits that you uh, could communicate to the customer. But typically in sales, as we go through the fact-finding process and we start to understand what the customer's needs are and how our product or service can meet those needs, we want to focus on those benefits specifically. And if you're face-to-face with a customer and you're talking to them, uh, you can shift gears and, sp- and go right to that benefit. Gee, uh, doctor or gee, hospital administrator, if I could show you that product A would do these things for you, would you want to know more? And they say yes, and you go right to that benefit. You don't spend a lot of time, you don't waste a lot of time going over um, every benefit because it's stuff that they don't want to hear and you may not have have that much time with uh, the customer. So that's easy to do when you're face-to-face and or you could, when knowing what a particular benefit is, you reach into your briefcase and you pull out a particular sheet that emphasizes that benefit and, and you're on your way. We can't do that the same way in a virtual presentation, can we? No, you can't do it exactly the same way, but but there are a number of things you can do in a virtual presentation to uh, instantly adjust your presentation on the fly. But, you know, I think there's some stuff that we need to think about in preparing for a virtual presentation, uh, even before we think about how do we switch gears during the presentation? Yeah. Um, you know, it's um, you've probably seen this when you do your training sessions and or if you're attending meetings, but somebody gets up and they're giving a presentation and they get to the slides that they don't need to show. 
and then they just click, 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 click right through them, which I find is a major distraction. So I know you and we're talking about something different. Right. Yeah, we're we're talking about uh, th- thinking through this strategically. So whether you're doing a presentation in person or whether you're doing it virtually, some stuff is the same, right? I mean, you need a goal for this sales call. You need to do your research on your prospect and their needs. So that that doesn't change. That's the same. And you know, another another thing that is is uh, sort of same but also different is when you go into somebody's office almost everybody remembers oh yeah got to turn the ringer off on my phone well that's that's pretty standard but when you're doing a virtual presentation ted your full technology your computer is connected which means all the notifications that your computer gives you emails uh, crm notifications all the different notifications social media whatever it is those all start binging up and they may bing up over your presentation so one of the things that when we're doing virtual presentations is to get really really careful about toning turning off all of the phone and tablet ringers notifications uh, i use a windows machine uh, you can use a a feature in Windows called Focus Assist, where you can turn off all the notifications, close your Outlook so you get fewer email and CRM notifications. So it's it's similar, but you have to take it to that next level because there's so much more that's connected during your interaction with that prospect or decision maker. Great advice, and I've seen that so many times. Yeah, for sure. And you know, another thing is uh, lighting. And you think, well, lighting, why does that matter? I mean, when I walk into an office, whatever lighting they have on, that's pretty simple. But when you're doing a virtual call and if you're using video, and I highly recommend you do that, think about that in your home office. How are you going to have good lighting in your home office? Not all of us have a perfect home office setup, but what you might want to consider doing is to add some soft light get a, a night table light you know uh, off of the guest room night table or something like that and and put one on each side of your work area to give that soft light from from each side and connection speed you know connection speed and quality is much more important when you're trying to do a virtual meeting email doesn't really require all that much but when you're trying to do video you're trying to do slides across uh, an internet connection if it's possible, use a wired Ethernet connection. Now, most of us with a newer laptop don't have an Ethernet port on the laptop, so you might need a, a USB connector to give yourself an Ethernet port. But I got to tell you, don't rely on Wi-Fi. It's just not as reliable as you'd like it to be. You know, the, the last thing I would say, Ted, in terms of preparation is that, you know what? your prospect may not be familiar with the platform you're trying to use, whether it's Zoom, the one you've mentioned, whether it's Microsoft Teams, whether it's any of the other platforms out there. So before your meeting, send detailed instructions with screen captures or links to the provider's connection guides. Send that in advance and allow at the start of the meeting longer time for the connection issues because it's the first time people have been doing it. It's a platform, maybe there are you know, other sales professionals they're talking to are using a different platform, so this might be the third one. And you, 
as the sales professional, have to somewhat be a bit of a tech support for them. So practice yourself. Practice on different devices. If you've got a Windows laptop, if you've got an iPad, if you've got a Google Android phone, try the, the application, the, the platform you're using on those different devices. See what it looks like so that you can try to give them some assistance to get them up and running. Because that frustration right at the beginning of the sales call is not a good thing to have. So you've just defined a number of tasks. Number one, that marketing could support the sales team in and, and creating these these support templates that they could then send to a customer. And maybe they have a support template for uh, different kinds of software that they may use, the different kind of virtual connections. So the reps would just be able to pick one out of two or three and say, you know, hey, Dr. Jones, I'll be emailing this to you to help you be better prepared for our virtual meeting. Then the other thing that you just defined in my mind is probably a sales meeting, a virtual sales meeting, where this is all they do, like for a day. If Depending on the size of the team, um, they could have breakout sections where smaller groups do this practicing amongst each other. But it sounds to me like this would be a very important uh, sales meeting for a sales team to have. I, I think you're... To totally on there, Ted. This is something that use your colleagues to help you practice. And have deliberately have colleagues connect to your call with the different devices. Because if you've got, let's say, five or eight people on the sales team, chances are you got a pretty good collection of different devices and different operating systems. Use that and, and get people to say, okay, so what are you seeing on your device? What are you seeing on your device? You know, some of them, the the control panel or the controls for the meeting are in different places based on what type of device you have. So, for example, you mentioned Zoom. Let's use that as an example. If you're using Zoom on a Windows machine, for example, the controls are at the bottom. But if you're using it on an iPad, the controls are at the top. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to give that doctor or medical professional advice and say, okay, now don't look at the bottom of your screen for the controls, and they're going, there aren't any. Well, because on their device, they're at the top. So yes, this is an area where you want your marketing, your IT people to do this research, do the figuring out for you, but then you need to get familiar. So use that sales team meeting, do it virtually, and get some experience with this. Yeah, so it's almost like you might want to have a checklist with your customer, the person you're going to have the virtual interaction with to make sure you really understand the equipment they're going to be on. You know, it, this makes me think that um, you know, when I go back through and I edit this podcast, what I'll do, Dave, is um, and for the audience, what I'll do is create a checklist of some sort. And Dave, I'll review that with you before I publish. And I'll create a, a free download on my website that people can go to and they can have um, a checklist of some of these items that we're, that we're mentioning now. Yeah, and, and certainly, you know, the thing is, is, is use the checklist that, that we're going to provide you, but also check it with your IT department because we always want you to make sure that you are in compliance with your uh, information privacy and security policies at your organization. So always check with them and make sure if there's anything else you need to add or something you don't need to do because they take care of it, uh, always make sure you're compliant with their policies because, of course, they are also 
uh, much more aware of the specific regulations that you have to abide by in your industry. Very good advice. Okay, so now let's move into the presentation. We've got the power, we, or we may not have the PowerPoint, but we need to design a PowerPoint that gives the salesperson the flexibility to move right to a benefit without doing any, any of the embarrassing, you know, run through slides until you get to where you want, or you run through the slides and you go too far, then you have to back up. <laughs> but we want somebody to look, you know, professional and sharp, and they can go right to the point that they want to make in, in the slide set. So let's talk about a few ways to do that. Yeah, and one of the, the key things to do is to think about this in advance. And what I want you to be thinking about, for those of you listening here, is think about how you make decisions during your sales call. When you see something happen, in your mind you go, oh, I need to talk about this, or I, I don't need to talk about that. Let's go right to this other area. What I want you to do is to think about that and get it down on a piece of paper and think about it as a decision tree because ultimately what I want you to consider doing is to create a presentation that is designed in modules. And you're thinking about modules based on that decision tree. What modules do I need to satisfy each of those decisions I will make? The, the thing that most people are stuck in with PowerPoint presentations is we've only usually ever seen them used linear, right? Ted, you start at slide one and you go to slide N, whatever that last number is. Absolutely. That's the only way we've seen them used. And in fact, many people think that's the only way you can use them. Not true. So what I want to encourage you to do is to think about your sales process during a call and then design modules that you're going to need to potentially go to throughout your presentation. And then what you can do is in PowerPoint, you can use a feature called sections and you can design each module as a separate section. Makes it really easy when you're looking at all your slides because it groups slides by sections. And then what I want to encourage you to use is some of the new features in PowerPoint that allow you to make this easy to navigate. So Ted, one of the features I want people to look at, and by the way, we'll put a link into the uh, the support page uh, at Microsoft for this feature called Zoom, Zoom Menuing. What Zoom Menuing does is it creates for you a table of content slide from the section slides. So it looks at all the sections and says, ah, okay, here are the sections you want in this table of content slide. And then it will make this nice visual table of content slide. So when you are talking to the prospect, maybe you go through some introductory slides and then you say to the prospect, now, there are five key features that people uh, regularly tell us are the reasons they buy this piece of equipment. You've identified uh, number two and number four here. So let's talk about number two. You click on number two, it instantly jumps to that section of slides and then it allows you to jump back to the menu to go to number four. So it is not linear at all, it is non-linear, and it is exactly what that prospect needs. So take a look at the Zoom feature. Now you can create this if you don't have uh, Zoom in your version of PowerPoint. You can use what has been built in for decades is hyperlinks. So you can create your own table of content slide and hyperlink from either an image or some text 
which is a, like a hyperlink TED that you see on a website mm -hmm. where you click on it. Same sort of thing. You click on it, it jumps down to a particular slide. You can then also put a, a click hyperlink to go back to that menu slide. It is a little more manual and it's really nicer if you can use the zoom feature, but if you don't have that in your, in your particular version of PowerPoint, the hyperlink feature is always there. So don't think you have to take this, you know, long set of slides, maybe that you've got the standard deck from the marketing professionals that they've put together that covers everything you could possibly want to say. You can reorganize that into these modules that allow you to move through the slides the way you want to. And here's a bonus tip for you. If you're on any slide in your presentation and instantly you realize, oh, I need to jump to another slide, but I don't, I don't have that hyperlink or that zoom link on this particular slide. Here's the insider tip, Ted. When you're in slideshow mode, slideshow mode only, press control S. So control key S on your keyboard. I'm using Windows keyboards here. What it does is it brings up a list of all slides in your presentation. You just scroll through, pick the one you want to go to, click on it, and instantly you jump to that slide. This is a great way to jump into those detailed slides in the appendix where somebody wants some detailed product information, maybe specifications. You know you've got a slide on it. You can just use this to jump to that specification slide, answer their question, overcome that objection, and then you can move on with the rest of your sales presentation. I never knew about that. <laughs> and the, the, again, these are things that have been in PowerPoint for well over a decade. And like we, when we started, right, Ted, we talked about this. People know the 5 to 10% that they've learned. And I'm not saying you've got to learn the other 85% or 90%. All I'm saying is if you could get another 5 to 10, maybe 15% knowledge you can make a real difference in not only how efficient you are at putting together your presentations, but how effective they are. And of course, that leads to better sales results. Absolutely. And, and one thing I want to um, mention is when you're talking about the Zoom feature, it's a Microsoft PowerPoint Zoom feature. It's not related to the Zoom virtual uh, conference business. That is that is correct. Yeah. And unfortunately, some of these terms get used by a lot of different companies to mean totally different things. So uh, in, in PowerPoint, it's called section zoom or slide zoom. That's the easier way to think of it. Okay. And another thing we talked about is as a difference between a face-to-face -face presentation with PowerPoint and a virtual presentation is one of the advantages of face-to-face, -face, especially if you're doing the linear run-through of slides that we're so used to doing, is that the presenter can walk up to the screen and point to something to emphasize it, or uh, she or he can take a laser and uh, highlight it with a laser. So how do we do that virtually? Well, if you've ever tried to use a laser pointer and aim it towards your prospect's office, which is 27 miles away, I'll tell you it won't work very well. <laughs> but, that's, <laughs> but that's okay. So two situations here, Ted, that I want to talk about. First of all, if you know in advance that this is a specific spot on, let's say, your piece of equipment that you want people to focus on, then use a call-out shape. Maybe it's a rectangle or a circle that you use animation to bring it onto the slide 
or an arrow that directs their attention to a specific spot. And these are for the areas you know, you know, 80, 90% of the time people are going to ask about. But the situation you're talking about is, is you have realized, oh, somebody is expressing an interest. I'd like to then direct their attention to a particular spot. Well, people may not realize, but there is actually a laser pointer tool within the slideshow mode of PowerPoint. Hmm. It's actually built in there already. What you do is when you're in slideshow mode in PowerPoint, if you want to see all the capabilities, just bring up a slide in slideshow mode and then press the F1 function key. If you do that, you see literally uh, tabs. Each one of them has lists of shortcut keys that you can use. And so you will see the laser pointer shortcut key, how to turn it on, how to turn it off, how you can write on the slide, how you can erase what's on the slide. All of that is available simply using the built-in help that is within slideshow mode. Excellent. And um, for the marketing pe people out there that are listening that may know some of these techniques, because that is one thing I've noticed is some marketing people are pretty adept at uh, PowerPoint, much more adept than most salespeople. Uh, you got to forgive those salespeople. They don't know this, so you have to help them with the presentations and have, have to help them with these tools. Yeah, and, you know, when you're rolling out that next version of your standard set of slides for your sales presentations, why not set up, you know, even if it's a one-hour virtual meeting where you demonstrate, okay, here are the new slides, and then give them, hey, here are three tips on using these slides more effectively, creating your, pres your customized presentations more efficiently, so it goes along with that next rollout. Excellent. And then um, another thing you had mentioned the other day was a couple tactics in which you can implement video. You had um, a name for one of them. I think it was called Morph. Yeah, so that's actually an alternative to video. So let's talk about video first okay. because a video is something that is very popular when you're doing a demonstration of a piece of equipment, especially one you can't carry with you. If you've got a large piece of equipment, it's not that you can just you know roll it around with you. So many organizations will use videos, which is a great way to show people this particular feature or that capability of the uh, the piece of equipment. Here's the challenge, though, when you're moving to a virtual setting. The challenge is bandwidth. To push video across live in a presentation takes a lot of bandwidth. Now, many people saying, well, but I mean, I watch YouTube, I watch Netflix, that they, they always works perfectly. That's true, but, but remember, that's optimized for that purpose. So if you're going to use videos, be aware that they may not work perfectly. They may stutter. Make sure you have, if you're using audio, make sure the audio is going to come through. We're going to put a link in the show notes. I've just done a, a quick video for Microsoft Teams, that platform. Uh, there's a setting in Windows that won't allow your audience to hear your audio unless you change that setting. So we'll put that in the, in the show notes. But when you're doing video, always have a backup. And one of the best backups is a feature within PowerPoint called Morph. Now, Morph is a transition effect that goes between slide A and slide B. But what it does is it allows you to pan around an image. It's a lot less taxing on the bandwidth. 
So it may work where a video may not. Again, we'll put a link in the show notes to the Microsoft page that explains Morph. One of the things that you'll see, and Bright Carbon has great uh, examples of this, is where you take an image of, let's say, a, a piece of equipment, and then you can zoom in on just one spot and then pan over to another spot, pan over to another spot, and so on with a zoomed in version of it. Uh, they do a really effective way of doing that. You don't need their level of skills. Anybody can do it, but it gives you that alternative to a full-blown video. If you have videos online that you can send them links to afterwards so they can go check it out, that's a great alternative. But always be prepared that the video may not work in a virtual presentation. Yeah, I've seen that happen. And I don't, I've don't. i never heard of the morph capability, so that's terrific. Great advice. I appreciate it. So I, have we touched on most everything we were going to try to review today? Yeah, I, I think there's another area that I, I want to really help people in, and that is another difference between virtual and in-person presentations, and that is in the way you interact with the prospect. You've already talked about this, Ted, where you know, in, in the in-person you can see their reaction and you can go in one direction or another direction. The other thing that happens in person is you're always looking between your slides and the person's face, gauging their reaction looking for those clues that you always get to go, oh, I should go in this direction, or, oh, gee, it looks like they were confused about that. Maybe I need to review that. Well, in a virtual, they're not sitting beside you or across the table from you. So how do you gauge that? Well, one of the ways to do that is, is not to hide behind your slides. So what I mean by that is, yes, you're going to share slides on the screen, but what happens is that takes up the whole screen. And their video window might be this tiny window in one of the sides or one of the corners. It's really hard to sort of get their reaction. So plan your virtual presentation where you go through, again, maybe part of the module or one of the modules, and then switch from the slideshow presentation back to the video. So you see the big video uh, images on your screen much easier to gauge their reaction, get their facial expressions than the tiny little square that might be there. So know that you're going to want to build into your presentation time these more frequent pauses so that you can gauge their reaction. And the other thing when you're presenting is, uh, you know, again, similar to what you would do in an in-person, you're going to take notes probably on a pad of paper. You're going to take some notes about what they say, um, issues, challenges, things you need to go back on, get more information on. The temptation when you're doing a virtual presentation is, well, I'll just have the CRM up in another window on another screen, or I'll have uh, a Word document. I'll type their their ideas or things I need to remember while they're speaking. Please don't do that. Why? Because they can hear you typing. And oh, that's bad. they don't know what you're typing. Are you typing Facebook? Are you t sending a, a message to a friend going, oh my gosh, you can't believe what this person just said. Their mind will race to all sorts of things that are not positive. So like an in-person, just keep that pad of paper on the side of your desk, take the notes the way you normally would, but don't let them hear those keys clicking. Even though you think, oh, I've got a really quiet keyboard, I'll guarantee you they can hear it. 
I've heard that a lot in these meetings, in these virtual meetings, and it is quite annoying. Yeah, because what it does is it distracts you from what the presenter is saying. And we, you know, in a sales situation especially, you need that customer, that prospect, that professional to be understanding the benefit that you're communicating. And anything you do to distract them, you are defeating yourself. And let's not defeat ourselves. Absolutely. And so we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, it's it's an area that we are all learning about rapidly and it's one that we need to learn about because I said at the as I said at the start Ted I believe that awkward phase is either over or coming to a close and the expectations have gone up so we need to understand that as professionals and be prepared to meet that new expectation so companies need to really step up and do a great job with a different kind of presentation that is tailored specifically for virtual presentations. And I think what they'll find is that this modularized presentation that gives flexibility to the sales professional is one that works great in person too. There's no reason you can't use it in person. So think about this when you're talking to the marketing departments. Think about this as let's just evolve next version of our presentation. Take it up a notch and say we're going to make this easier to use virtually. And if we get that opportunity to go back to in person in the next number of months, we'll be so much more effective when we do that in person as well. So everybody, did you hear that? Lots of great advice today from Dave Parody. And uh, Dave, this has been terrific. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, would like to have you back when we can discuss some um, other really important presentation techniques like on data and so on. Absolutely, Ted. Happy to come back. All right. Thank you. Well, I'm not going to look at PowerPoint presentations the same ever again. Just to really quickly summarize, to have a professional virtual PowerPoint presentation, it starts before the video call with your prospect or customer. And it starts with your preparation and you're preparing the customer in advance of the call. You need to revise your PowerPoint with some of the tips we learned today from, from Dave, like the Zoom editing, and then you have to practice, practice, practice. This is elbow grease stuff. It costs nothing but effort. And the result is terrific. The result makes you look so much pro more professional. So there's really no excuse not to do it, whether you're a large company or a small company. Large companies probably have Marcom people and departments that do this for their sales organizations. Small to medium-sized companies don't, but you can do it. It's not that hard. So as you know, with every episode, we have an immediate impact idea for the day. Guess what yours is? You go into the show notes, you're going to find a link to a number of things, but one of them is a YouTube video which clearly explains how to do the Zoom editing on Microsoft PowerPoint. It's terrific, and it'll help you get started. So that's your immediate idea impact for the day, is to go watch that video and start thinking about how you're going to reorganize your sales process slides so they're much more effective. You get out there and create a kick-ass presentation and go win your week. Thank you.